Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Late night Midnight on the interstate I didn't feel so great until I saw the city. Welcome back to Straight from the Source with Michael Russo. Thanks for everybody, as always, for tuning in. My guest today, Joe O'Donnell, Wild Joe Radio on Twitter, the voice of the Isle Wild, who's up here in Minnesota this week calling uh, games for Bob Kurtz, who's down in Florida visiting his uh, dad and his family. Uh, so Bob will be rejoining the team uh, after the weekend, and Joe will head back to Iowa. Well, he'll uh, continue his duties where he's been for 13 seasons, not all 13 in Iowa. He started with the Houston Arrows. Uh, calling Iowa Wild Games. Uh, Joe, before his NHL debut two Octobers ago, I believe, we were in Anaheim and he joined this podcast for the first time. We talked a lot about his career starting in Boise and the job that he's done with the Iowa Wild. Basically, everybody that you have seen work its way up from either Houston or Iowa to the Minnesota Wild uniform, he got to see at the very, very beginning stages. And he's doing that right now with guys like Mason Shaw and Hunter Jones and Connor Dewar and Brandon Duhame and uh, for a while, Adam Beckman was down in Iowa this season, and Ryan O'Rourke's down there, and Matt Boldy will make his professional debut on Friday night against the Chicago Wolves. So uh, that is what we talk uh, to about Joe. Plus, we talk about a lot of uh, a lot of things. We talk about uh, the fun nature of covering a guy like Tim Army, who's uh, extremely talkative. We talk about his relationship with Dean Evason, which goes back several years when Dean was the coach of the Milwaukee Admirals, and Joe uh, used to talk to the visiting coach before every single broadcast. And um, and uh, so he developed a relationship with Dean, and you could tell on the Zooms how much uh, Dean likes and respects uh, Joe O'Donnell. Uh, so just a real fun podcast with with Joe, so hopefully you, uh, you listen. Uh, tonight, the Wild play the Colorado Avalanche for the eighth and final time of the season. Good riddance is how the Wild uh, would probably feel after, t- after tonight playing this team. Eight games, we'll see if they can make it a three and five record as opposed to two and six. But the Avalanche has not only had its way with the Wild for the most part this season, but they have just... just pretty much annihilated them uh, the last uh, two or three games. I don't feel like the 5-4 score the other night was indicative of the way that the Wild played. The Wild went large stretches of that game where they were outplayed. Even the first period, they were, the final 11-20 of the, of the period, the Wild had two shots on goal. They went to final 9-34 the second uh, with no shots on goal, outshot 20-5. to And uh, really, if it wasn't for a couple late goals, that thing could have been ugly. Yet the game was on its stick. Uh, Marcus Johansson had a chance for 
for a backdoor uh, tap in late on a hard pass uh, to to uh, by Jared Spurgeon. He just shoveled it wide. So we'll see if the Wild could sort of redeem itself here. Uh, you know, I'd say good riddance, uh, but actually the Wild probably hoped that they could eventually play them again, and that would be in the playoffs. Uh, what I think you hope for is that if you're a Wild fan, is that the Wild get in that second or third spot and play Vegas. Be careful what you wish for in the first round, but at least a team that that we've seen at least in the regular season, the Wild have been able to beat 10-2-2 all time against the Golden Knights. Then hope the fourth team, if assuming that Colorado wins the division, that the fourth team, whether it's St. Louis or San Jose or Arizona, uh, at least beat up the Avalanche. But I, I think the Avalanche have a real chance of winning the Stanley Cup, uh, you know, as long as they continue to get goaltending. But when you have guys like Kale McCarr and Samuel Girard and Devon Taves and uh, and then obviously McKinnon and Kadri and Lant and Rantanen and Landeskog, uh, you you've got a, the ability to to really go a long long way. And I just think that the that the Avalanche will have a chance to get through the top two uh, uh, rounds in the playoffs and and just sort of skate through there. But we'll see. Um, the Wild have a lot of work to do tonight. Zach Parisi coming back in the lineup after being out with COVID nineteen protocol. He tested positive for the virus. He is convinced though that it was a um, that it was a false positive, but uh, the protocols of the NHL. There was a con- uh, he had the positive, and then that sample it was confirmed, and that's why he had to miss the remainder of the game uh, days. Even though he feels like he wasn't sick and never had any symptoms, but he'll be back in the lineup. His last game before he tested positive, he played really, really well. Um, he sort of cut open a vein this morning and talked about uh, just the way that his season has gone, and and suddenly the you know the mental anguish that that comes with. Uh, a change in role in your career when you've always been the go-to guy on a hockey team, even last year when he led the wild in, in, in goals. And then this year, um, he not only winds up scratched the game, he could want get, he's been on the fourth line at times. He hasn't been on the ice in the last minute or, or minute and a half of period when the wild have an extra attacker on after the game in Vegas. Um, he's only been on the ice once with, uh, an empty net situation. He's been taken off the power play. So he's 36, and uh, looks like uh, he's hitting that that back nine of his uh, of his NHL career here. So we talked about that. Matt Zuccarello is coming back to the lineup tonight as well against the Avalanche. And I'm trying to think of any other news right now. It looks like Nico Sturm will be scratched for the second time in four games. Um, really at a loss of what's going on there. Like I got it. When, you know, he had a so-so game in San Jose uh, in a game where a lot of wild players had a so-so game or worse. And so he was the easy guy to take out in that first game in in uh, in Vegas. Um, sometimes young kids need to take a breath, come out of the lineup and get back to playing uh, the way that we know that he's capable of. Obviously, the coaches saw something there. He wound up playing the second game in Vegas because Matt Zuccarello was a late injury scratch. He then played last game against Colorado because Matt Zuccarello was out. But now Zuccarello's uh, coming back into the lineup, and instead of taking Kyle Rao out, it looks like Nico's out again. So, um, you know, a little at a loss, especially because even Dean Evison said that uh, that he really felt two games ago that he got the exact response from Nico Stern that he wanted. So, uh, I, I don't. I, I wish I can give you a better idea of what's actually going on here. Um, so we'll see how the Wild do against Colorado. Then they go to St. Louis for two games. I'll be there for both those games. Um, I'm going to probably make a lot of the trips or maybe even all the trips the rest of the way. Um, and uh, got a really cool Ian Cole story coming in the next day or two. And uh, just a lot of good stories in the works if if um, if you're an Athletic subscriber, which I highly, highly uh, recommend. If you're not a subscriber, go to theathletic.com slash straight from the source and you can get in at a discount. But without further ado, uh, just a really talented, I, I think of him as a young kid because he looks so young, uh, but he's actually 41 years old. He's been in the business for his entire career. He's absolutely paid his dues down in the minors, and hopefully at one point he'll become a full-time NHL play-by-play guy. But Joe O'Donnell, here you go, Wild Joe Radio. And as mentioned, uh, welcome back, Joe. The last time I talked to you on this podcast, it was before your NHL debut in Anaheim, if I remember correctly. Uh, We sat in the uh, boardroom at the Weston there, I think in Costa Mesa, and you were a little nervous, and we're doing that road trip. It was it continued on to San Jose and Arizona, if I remember correctly. Yeah, L.A. was in there, too. Um, Anaheim, San Jose, Arizona, L.A., I think were the four. Yeah, you it get was the a tough little, gigs. Oh, well, yeah, that was a great road trip. 70-plus degrees and no pandemic, so you could enjoy it and get outside. And Yeah, it was a little uh, probably anxious, nervous. Um, you know, you spent a lot of time in the minors, but 
to get that first chance at a real regular season NHL game. You always wonder how it's going to go. Is your style going to translate? Are you going to keep up with the play? Um, and I thought it went pretty well those four games and just really excited to get another opportunity again this year. Yeah, exactly. And now you're uh, you're an NHL veteran. You've been doing this uh, this <laughs> 13 years in the uh, in the organization now, I believe, um, and uh, forever in uh, with both the Houston Arrows and the Iowa Wild. Uh, now you're up here in in Minnesota, uh, calling games uh, at least live action tonight against the Colorado Avalanche. But coming up these road games against the St. Louis Blues. Uh, Joe, and you've done some road games as well in front of a monitor. How different is that? That's not something you're used to. It's been different. Um, it wasn't as bad as I thought about five weeks ago. Came up and did four games. Uh, I know it was another West Coast trip. It was um, the first game after the two-week COVID break, so the shutout loss against the Kings, and then three straight wins after that, Anaheim and San Jose in there. Um, and I was a little, you know, it's first time I'd called a game off monitor, but for a lot of us in the broadcasting biz, this year is very different for everybody. Um, and so I was a little bit like, man, what's this going to be like? <laughs> You're going to miss stuff behind the play, line changes, scrums, guy goes down the tunnel with an injury. You won't be able to see it. And I wasn't, um, after I got, you know, that first game under my belt, I was like, this, this isn't so bad, uh, from a play by play standpoint. Now, sometimes the TV camera will cut to an angle of the bench as there's a face-off going on. You have no idea who took the draw or if a goalie's pulled. Like, you have no clue yeah. on that stuff. So it's definitely, it's not the same. It's not even close to the same. But from a play-by-play -play standpoint, good enough to sort of, um, I think, paint the picture and do my job the best I could. How much guessing goes around, like, I mean, especially for the road teams, uh, on, on numbers in the corner, if, if, if all of a sudden their back is essentially to the glass facing the camera. I mean, they, uh, do you have to almost tap dance sometimes? Yeah, you'll hear a few like, you know, that defenseman or Anaheim had it at the blue line or, you know, uh, the Blues have it in the corner, those sorts of things where you just kind of have to uh, do your best to let the folks know what's going on, but you can't be as 100% descriptive or really assertive as you'd probably like to be. Yeah, I mean that that I've noticed just even covering games from home is that uh, you know last game actually or or three games ago I guess uh, road games ago in San Jose, um, no it, was, it would have been the second to last game in Vegas. Uh, Zuccarello missed um, time in this second period. He missed like two or three shifts. Yeah. Well, you you don't know if he's getting skipped over or if the special teams are involved. I mean, there's just stuff that unless. Unless uh, somebody's going to pick up on it and tweet it, you just don't know. So that was news to me the next day when all of a sudden Zuccarello wasn't skating at the morning skate or testing his injury at the morning skate and then didn't play that night. I found that to be very difficult, which is why I'm excited that I think on the rest of the road games I'll be there. But I noticed it a couple of years ago, a couple of weeks ago in Vegas too. If I'm if I'm not at the morning skate watching line rushes, you don't know that Zach Parisi's not playing that night. It it's it's just made our, all of our lives very very different this year. Yeah, and, I, you know, it was weird coming to the rink the other morning, to be honest, for a home game. You know, most days I'll yeah. come in and COVID test when I'm here in St. Paul so I can, you know, stay current with the daily COVID testing so I can go back into the, the Iowa Wild bubble, if you will. Um, but most days when it was a road game, it was go test and then just go back to the hotel and do my prep. And then, you know, TR, the gentleman that he is, will come pick me up from the hotel and take me to the rink and... Um, we do any final prep and talk about the open of the broadcast and then get into the game. So the other day against Colorado on the, the Monday night game with fans coming back in the building, it was, it was just different to have to, um, not have to, but just to come down to the to rink and, and stay. Um, it was exciting too, to watch guys out there at morning skate and fortunate enough in Iowa, we've had fans, um, and I've traveled with the team. So that part of my, uh, my seasonal job, my daily job hasn't changed much if at all. Uh, but these opportunities in the NHL have been very different because, you know, when the team's on the road, you're not really there to get some of those stories or see the guys or chat with the coaches in person. And Bob Kurtz, by the way, is uh, visiting family in Florida. That, that is why Joe is here. I don't believe I've mentioned that on the podcast. Um, what's it like working with Tom Reed? I mean, Tom and uh, Tom and Bob, they're they're a married couple. I mean, you know, they've been together forever. It's, I mean, it's, it's just one of the coolest relationships that – that I, I noticed my first year covering the team in, in 2005, just hanging out with those guys at the bar at the road and just listening to them talk. And, and now all of a sudden the new young pup comes in to work with Tom. Um, young pup that's 40, by the way. 
41, uh, but who's yep. counting? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, I mean, like, uh, like it, it's got to be different, but it sounds like he's uh, absolutely been generous with you. It's been awesome. Um, and even, you know, talking with Bob over the years, every time I've seen him at whether it's training camp or if, you know, it's playoffs and I was out and I was able to come up here for a night or two, catch him during the regular season. He's just so gracious with, you know, his time and um, even leading up to my opportunity last year and again this year. Just, you know, he sent me photos of what the hotel setup looked like this year mm-hmm. uh, and the residence in, you know, just to make me feel more comfortable. Hey, here's the, here's the setup you're going to have when you get here. Um, and last year, you know, you'll do fine. You've called a ton of games, you know, because – you know, you have some of those anxious moments as you're getting ready for an opportunity like I was granted. So um, can't say enough good things about Bob Kurtz, hell of a broadcaster. His relationship with Tom Reed speaks for itself. I mean, uh, they are a dynamic duo, and Wild fans have been treated that for a number of years. They get along well. They have good rapport on the air. Uh, but for Tom Reed, he's just as nice of a man as it gets. You will never find anybody that has a bad thing to say about him, you know, whether it's at his Hockey City pub and he's – doing the dishes, jumping in to help the staff yeah. or, you know, greeting people. And uh, just the other day, we well, Monday, we walked to the rink together uh, from the pub. And, you know, he got stopped five times at least in the three-block walk. You yeah. know, everybody wants a photo or say hello to him. <laughs> it's just really cool to see that. And um, it's fun working with him. Uh, he's very personable. He's witty. He's got some good humor to yeah. his analysis as well. Uh, it just makes for a fun broadcast, and I, I really think that's important. You know, you've got to show personality on a broadcast, whether it's play-by-play and you're working by yourself like I do a lot of times or engaging with your color analyst and making sure that you guys have that good chemistry. Yeah, the, uh, the it, it, there's nothing uh, more fun than just sitting and listening to Bob and Tom shoot the breeze uh, at a restaurant. Yeah. And just some of the stories they have, they really are like a married couple. Yeah. I mean, some hilarious well, The stories. other day, um, you know, the high school hockey tourney was going on. It was one of those road games against Vegas. And uh, TR and I came down and we're sitting in the press lounge uh, waiting to get into the Quattro lounge to call the games from the bowels of the arena off the TV monitors. And Lou Nanny was down there because he's working the high school games. And it was the first time I had met Lou and him and Tom just for, yeah. you know, those 15 minutes exchanging stories and they'll make you laugh. I'll tell you that. Yeah, they absolutely will. Um, Joe, you mentioned that you're, you're still getting COVID tested here to allow you back into essentially Iowa. What, what is it like down in Iowa this year? Because, you know, I mean, it's you're one of the few teams that actually have to get on commercial airplanes and go to places like Texas. So so you, you're not in a in a, in you know, the wild aren't the up here aren't really in a bubble either, but they're, they're trying to make this thing as close to a bubble as possible. And they don't have to deal with the extra, you know, steps of getting on a commercial aircraft. Like I will tomorrow. Um, what, it, what's it like for you guys? Because it was in earlier in Texas this year where you had to have some games rescheduled too, right? Yeah. It's, um, it's been a, a unique year. Uh, the players have handed, handled it well, better than well, extremely well. Um, head coach Tim Army stressed from day one he wanted guys to be as safe as possible we've been testing every day since second week in January for a long time it was the brain tickler then the testing company we used was able to switch and get those swabs so much nicer uh, on your nasal passages every morning at 7 or 8 a.m. but yeah there's listen there's some anxious times our assistant athletic trainer Cole Harding um, who worked for the UMD Bulldogs for a couple of years. He's sort of our COVID officer. And, you know, every day he gets that email um, with the test results are in. And he's got to go in there. And I'm sure it's a few nervous moments for him because we've had plenty of false positives. We've had rescheduled games, the contact tracing, and the phone calls he has to make. Um, the, just the stress on our staff, the equipment guys having to sit guys in certain spots, the rooming lists are different on the road. But yeah, there's days where we have to travel in a commercial aircraft and what can you do about it? Right. You know, you just have to hope that everybody stays safe, everybody's wearing their mask and really keep your fingers crossed. And as you mentioned, guys down there are really handling this well. This is not an easy year to be an AHL player. I mean, they're playing for essentially 40% of their salaries. Um, they're um, not going to have probably a traditional run to a Calder Cup no matter who gets in. Um, how, how has that been tough? Because it, it almost... You know, it almost feels like they're sort of just biding time for a real season next year. 
Yeah, but the big thing, Mike, is that they couldn't have another year off. They couldn't go 18 months without right. games. You know, I chat. I caught up with Andrew Hammond the other day. He happened to, you know, he's staying in the residence in as well. And when I saw him, I, you know, I was like, when was the last time you saw a live puck, like a, a shot that mattered? And it's March, early March of 2020. You know, a guy that's been on the taxi squad all year. So you couldn't have, for a veteran goaltender, you know, I'm sure that's hard on him. It may even be hard for him, you know, as he looks for future contracts because he didn't play this year, or at least not to this point. But for some of the young guys, Connor Dewar, Mason Shaw, Kalen Addison, Damian Giroux, those guys had to play. They had to play games. Whether there's a lot at stake on the line or playoffs or no Calder Cup opportunity, you couldn't just have them practicing up here and getting bag skated every day. It's not going to do enough for their development. Um, Mitchell Chafee, another first-year guy, you had to get these guys, these wild prospects, into game situations, mm -hmm. let them start to develop. That was the biggest thing for the AHL. If we can do it safely, if we can do it where everybody is on board, some teams opted out, uh, but playing these schedules where, you know, it's not maybe as taxing. You know, we've had more of a college schedule a lot of times than Iowa, not as many weeknight games. But for these players to get this opportunity, they were so hungry to get back on the ice. They're embracing it well. And I think all things considered, it was the right move by the AHL to get back up and running. Uh, if you hear pucks below us, that is uh, the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, bad news. Uh, McKinnon and Rantanen are definitely out there. It's all to hit the net. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah, they, they, they hit the net. When it, yeah, they hit the net <laughs> when it matters. Uh, not so much at the morning skate. We used to say that about Ilya Brzgalov here. If we counted his save percentage at morning skates, it would be about 600. Yeah. Uh, but in the games, he would you know pitch one nothing shutouts every single night. Um, Joe. Uh, we're going to start on Iowa. Uh, let's start, you know, let's start with with a player that a lot of Wild fans aren't going to be familiar with, and that is Mitchell Chafee. Um, you know, he's somebody that the Wild I know were delighted to sign as a college free agent last year. The Wild, you know, a lot of times when you're pursuing these college free agents, you really you have to do it very very strategically because you know when you're pursuing somebody, you have a chance to maybe lose somebody else. And a, an example I'm thinking of is when the Wild signed Nico Stern that day. They lost Blake Lazat. To, uh, to the LA Kings. You know, Aya follows another college free agent the Wild pursued that, that he signed somewhere else when they realized that the position got very tough at center. Um, Chafee's somebody that they, with all the wingers that they have here, they didn't think that they were going to be able to get, but he's signed here. He's somebody they really do believe has a chance to be in the NHL someday. What do you see so far from him? Boy, missed some time with an upper body injury, which cost him a handful of games. He's got 10 assists in 14 games. Now, I haven't seen him much since he came back from injury because I've been up here in St. Paul, uh, but he's getting some power play time. He's definitely got the skill and the skating ability. I'm sure at some point here he's going to get his first goal of the year, just a little snake bit in that department. I mean, the kid has 31 shots. At some point, you figure one's going to find the back of the net for him, but definitely a good kid, well-liked by his teammates, um, and somebody that Minnesota fans should really keep their eyes on in the future. Again, another guy that this year was really important for him to make his pro debut, to get a taste of what's the second-best league in the world in a lot of people's opinions. Um, and you have to give credit to the scouting staff in Minnesota. I believe it's Brian Hunter that does a lot yep. of that for them on a college free agent level, um, trying to get these relationships built and ink these guys. I mean, you look at Iowa's success in the college free agent market, Jerry Mayhew and Sam Annis at the top of the list. Uh, those are guys that obviously didn't contribute too much at the NHL level, at least not yet in the case of Mayhew. But you're talking about guys that have helped Iowa develop a winning culture and if you're going to win in the NHL with your prospects, you want them to win in the AHL first. That's usually most teams' mantra. Um, man, it's it sucks that Sam Annis isn't back. Uh, you know that's uh, that's one of those things. I mean, not only was he a great player, uh, reigning leading scorer in the AHL, but I mean, as a human being, um, you know, I know that you get really, really close with these guys. You're their Mister Everything. You're not. You know, I think a lot of people don't realize that in the minors when you. you you're not just the Iowa play-by-play -play guy. You are the team services guy. You're the call it up and be the concierge guy. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's it's everything. So you develop an incredible amount of relationships with these young kids down there. Yeah, and I know you were a big fan of Sammy Annis yeah. as well and, and wanted him to get his shot here, and hopefully he will get it with the Blues at some point. You will not meet a nicer kid. Um, and the other part of that, too, is, you know, from leaving these guys tickets when they're on the road or helping their families with the hotel rooms when they come to town, doing some of that team services stuff, you get to meet their families. And uh, Peter Annis, Sam's dad and his mom, 
Demi, who had unfortunately yeah. passed away during the pandemic. Um, they are unbelievable humans. And when you get to know a family and you get to know a player, or even if it's a guy that, you know, is with Iowa or wherever, Houston, for just a handful of games, but you watch them develop and then they become NHLers, you do get a sense of pride in that. Not that I've helped them get there in any way, shape, or fashion, but just the fact you get to see them uh, achieve their dream, you know, from our coaching staff to our support staff, it's cool. I mean, that's that's a fun part of the job. And I hope Sam Annis gets that opportunity someday, but it is nice to get to know these guys on a personal level. Some of the guys that are in Iowa, three, four years, five years, um, you see them for six months a year, you know, and you're with them every day and you, and you build that camaraderie and the banter and the chirping. And, uh, it's definitely a fun part of the job. And, you know, there's guys I still keep in touch with that haven't played in Iowa in years. Um, you know, guys that I knew from Boise in the ECHL that I will still text with occasionally. And, and that's a fun part of, you know, that's why we all love being in sports. The, uh, I was telling uh, the other day, I talked to, uh, Doug and, uh, Connie Cole, Ian's parents, at, for an hour and two minutes for the story that I'm doing uh, either tomorrow or the next day that'll be appear in The Athletic. Um, but sitting and talking to him for that long, it reminded me of that time that I talked to Peter and Demi Annis when I was at the Fairfield Inn in, like, in northern Des Moines area, uh, sitting there interviewing him for that big Sam Annis feature. And it was the same type of like cool, laid-back conversation with just a bunch of different stories and anecdotes. And, and that is the cool part of, uh, of, of guys in the minors is that you get to know, you know, the, the, the Bonnie O'Reilly's and the yep. people like that. Right. Yeah. I mean, Jerry Mayhew's parents have been coming to games on the road in Grand Rapids for years. They used to come to Traverse city when the prospects tournament was there. So I've gotten to know them very well. Um, you know, Curtis Gabriel's mom would come to town a lot throughout her, his tenure with the wild organization. So you get to see these uh, guys, you know, with their families. You get to see them in their element every day, working for their dream. Um, but their parents are so proud, right? They're 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 glad to have the opportunity to see them. Um, you know, especially for our Minnesota guys. You know, Mitch McLean sometimes will have like two thirds of Brainerd, Minnesota, coming down to see to see him play in Des Moines. So it's fun when you get um, those types of stories and those types of uh, relationships, and more than anything. As you know, so many hockey players are just really good people, fun to be around. And that just adds to the, you know, the sort of the joy of coming to the rink every day. Or two years ago, maybe when when I was in the playoffs, I went down there and I met um, one of Tim's sons. I can't remember who it would have been. but Derek, right, maybe? It probably was Derek. He, he, I know he played. Um, but right away when I talked to him, I'm like, I know you're, I know you're <laughs> Tim Army's uh, son. Tell me about Tim Army's wife. Is she as talkative as Tim Army? That's what I want to know. Sue is, yes, talkative, for sure. Um, I guess you have to be. But as you have passionate... You talkative just to stop him from talking. As passionate about the Isle Wild as it gets. Um, at the games, you know, we'll help in the community if needed. And it's been, you know, they live downtown, and, and they're all in for the Des Moines community. They, they've gotten to know the fans over the years. Um, we had sort of that army fan club when he first got here with, with a hardcore, hardcore group of season ticket holders. Um, there's passion that, that, uh, for the game of hockey and that, and that army family that, uh, you know, really is it's, it's energy every time you're around them. Tim was telling me before the season that, um, part of the protocols that you set up there, um, and I don't know if it was you or the organization was actually getting restaurants in downtown Des Moines and West Des Moines, West Des Moines, right? Uh, you know, some that would actually have private rooms just for Iowa players to essentially keep guys away from the public and trying to, you know, really convey to these players that like, look, you know, we're all at COVID fatigue right now, but you still got to, if you want to get through this hockey season in this situation where we can't put you in a bubble, you've got to be safe. You got to be smart. And, and so there are actual places that these players can actually go. He said there are more guys living downtown than ever, right? Yeah. This is the first year that we've had more than one or two guys live downtown. Um, early on in Iowa, Tyler Grayovac and Curtis Gabriel lived downtown. Cal O'Reilly lived downtown a couple of years. Capo Kakinen enjoyed being downtown because it was closer to the game rank, but for the most part, a lot of our guys have lived out in West Des Moines. Great suburb area, tons of places to eat, uh, great mall out there, you know, movie theaters, you name it. And then this year, for whatever reason, I think probably because we're COVID testing every day at the game yeah. rank, a lot more guys like shows downtown. Right? Yeah, so we have Sokolov 
downtown. Hunter Jones is downtown. Uh, Cody McLeod is down there. So a bunch of guys this year chose that route. Um, luckily, the testing now some days has been pushed to 8 o'clock depending on the schedule. That's a huge hour, <laughs> if I'm going to be honest with you. Um, but, yeah, we, we, went, we reached out to some of our corporate partners and said, hey, you know, I, I called them and said Coach Army is looking for this type of scenario, um, whether you can give them a discount or a deal, great. But, you know, what are your protocols like? Can, can you uh, accommodate our guys in a safe environment? And a lot of our uh, vendors and, and corporate partners as well have done an outstanding job just delivering food to the rink in a grab-and-go setting. So after practice, guys can get their meal and head back to their place and eat it there. And uh, we thank them for their great support. We've always had great corporate support in Iowa, great season ticket holder base, and that's what makes it such a fun community and, and really a growing hockey market. I want to talk to you more about Iowa players, but I did want to ask you about some of the Iowa players that, that are up here right now or that people that have been in Iowa that – You've just got to be delighted to see them play uh, so well. Let's start with Capo Kakinen, reigning AHL goalie of the year. Um, got off to just a magnificent start with the Wild. A couple so-so games lately. Won't play again here tonight against Colorado. Cam Talbot's getting the nod again. But, um, I, I got, you know, there, there was some talk inside the organization, some real debate before this year of whether or not he was a career backup or could ever be a starter in this league. Um, he, they were definitely going to give him more time in Iowa this season. Uh, Hammond was signed real late because of the Stalock health situation. But are, are you even surprised that Capo has gotten off to this type of start here? I don't know if I'm surprised. I'm happy for him because you're right. There could have been the, hey, he needs another year in the minors. And that would have been, you know, probably fair. Um, there also could have been like, we're not sure. And, and, and the organization could have moved on at some point. But he never really got a shot until last year, and he fared he fared pretty well going 3-1-1. One, one. Uh, but he was so good for stretches his first year in North America in Iowa, uh, the 18-19 season, and just lights out for, you know, 90% of his starts last year. And when you're putting up those types of numbers and shutting out teams, he had 13 shutouts in two years in Iowa. Uh, he was the first goalie to lead the AHL in shutouts and back-to-back years since Marty Baron did it in like the 90s. I mean, you're talking about a league where, you know, a lot of good goaltenders have come through. And for him to put up those numbers, I, I don't think it left out in anybody's minds on the roster last year about how good he was and he was an NHL goalie. In fact, when he was having great success in Minnesota this year, I talked to guys in Iowa currently on the team, guys that played with him last year. They weren't surprised at all. They're like, that's Capo. They could see he was locked in. They could see that poise, the calmness that kind of infuses throughout the locker room when he's on his game. And paired up with Cam Talbot right now, Minnesota's in a really good spot as they look to head into the Stanley Cup playoffs with a pretty pretty solid goaltending tandem. Uh, Luke Johnson is somebody that uh, first practice, uh, last practice of, yeah. uh, before last season, uh, suffers an injury, uh, doesn't start the season uh, with the Iowa Wild, because of that, missed about a month. It really hurt his ability to even get called up here early last season. Um, now he's filled in some real nice minutes here. He's getting late-game shifts, yeah. last-minute shifts, big, big draws. Yeah. Um, you know, he was supposed to be Iowa's number one center uh, last season and, and eventually came back and did that. But, uh, but how, how uh, surprised you that he's getting a string of games here? I love him as a player. Um, No-nonsense. Very nice kid, but, you you know, he's kind of got that dry personality about him, and I think you see that on the ice. Like, he brings it. He has a lunch pail mentality. He can shoot the puck. Um, you, you look at two years ago, the power play in Iowa had Cal O'Reilly, right, as sort of that that fixture. Um, and then last year, you got to replace Cal O'Reilly. Luke Johnson jumps in. The power play doesn't miss a beat. Now, like you said, he got hurt literally in the last minute of the final practice for the opener and had to sit like five weeks with a lower body injury. But when he came back and got his game, he was outstanding. At seven goals his last eight games to wrap up the year in Iowa. Um, a right shot on the left circle at the power play, so he had that one-timer option, which Cal didn't give the group because he was a lefty. Um, Cal was more of a playmaker, facilitator. But the power play last year was awesome, large part of it because of guys like Mayhew and Annis, and then Luke Johnson, Brennan Minnell, I mean, you think about the talent that Iowa had and that chemistry. Guys that had played together for a couple of years, um, they just knew where each other was going to be. Kyle Rao, I mean, just loaded with talent. And Luke Johnson was a big part of it. I'm happy for him. Dean Evison the other day talking about his versatility. He can play center, he can play wing, and he brings that grit to his game. Uh, and 
now he's got an opportunity, and he hasn't relinquished it yet, and you love to see that, right? A guy gets in, he gets a game or two. Does he embrace it? Does he make the most of it? Otherwise, he knows he'll be back you know, in the press box. Yeah, the uh, Iowa Wild were having an unbelievable year last year. Then, um, then I showed up. Uh, Joe O'Donnell um, <laughs> set up a podcast for Tim Army on a game day. They got trounced that night, and Tim uh, probably won't do any podcast ever again with me. Yeah, and um, Capo got hurt like the day yeah, before. Kinda, that yeah, was... I, basically the dark pall of negativity <laughs> that is Mike Russo came in and destroyed the Iowa season. I brought the pandemic with me, and then the then the AHL season was shut hey, down. We all snuck out of San Jose just in time. Let's yeah. be honest. D- uh, Tim Army was not happy that he did. No, that podcast, he did. Though. <laughs> he did tell me there would be no more game day podcasts moving forward, but he did agree to it at the time. So. Yeah, it was a great, I mean, people loved the podcast, but then they lo- they were so flat that night against the Barracuda. And I just How many questions right, do you think you asked? Um, I probably asked three questions and the podcast went about an hour yeah. and 50 minutes. The other so. day he gave me a six minute answer. Um, I think the interview was maybe 13, 14 minutes long over three questions or whatever it was. And he told me afterwards, he just wanted to make sure he gave me enough. And I said, Coach, I, I don't ever, you, I never worry about that yeah. with you. You know, no, <laughs> I never, you, don't, you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. If, if you want, if you've never been to an Iowa Wild game at Wells Fargo Arena, there's nothing funnier than watching Joe do a pregame interview on the Jumbotron with Tim Army. And inevitably, about three minutes after his first question, you see Joe subtly put the microphone in the other arm because his other the arm that he was holding the mic with has just gone dead. Yeah. You can work out all you want, but uh, try and hold your arm just straight in the air for three, four minutes consecutively, and you're looking for a break. Oh, yeah, um, I love Tim. Um, there's a point with <laughs> Tim Army when I interview him and do that, I know right away, all right, this is not going to be an article anymore. It's now going to be a Q and a, and then there comes a point in the middle of me doing the Q and a with him that I realized that I'm going to have to spend a hundred dollars and get this transcribed <laughs> because there is no chance that I'm going to be able to just have the stamina to transcribe it all. Yeah. I use Adobe audition. Uh, I'd like to think like a wizard to cut and chop some of those interviews because you know, the other day he brought up the Cuban Missile Crisis in a uh, post-game <laughs> interview we were doing on camera. And unfortunately, it w- you know, his analogy turned out to be appropriate or whatever. But, you know, we can't run a four-minute interview uh, when we only have a 90-second window for keys to the game or whatever. So, um, we got to get creative sometimes in, in chopping the audio or Ben Gisselson, our manager of media relations, is starting to learn how to cut the video and... <laughs> Uh, take what we need and uh, give the fans what they want, which is, you know, Coach Army's personality and his knowledge. Uh, but he'll give you plenty. You ask him, and he loves talking about hockey. Yeah. Um, let me just ask about one more guy on this team from that's an Iowa uh, graduate, and then uh, we'll take a quick break, and then I want to talk to you about some of the guys on the Iowa Wild. And I also have some Twitter questions from you for you as well. But um, Nico Sturm, you know, I thought he was having a really good uh, start to the season. I thought uh, he had one so-so game in San Jose where everybody on the ice had a so-so game or worse. And somehow he's, you know, taken the brunt of the, of being the easy guy to pull out, probably in a lot of ways because they can, with his non-waiver uh, situation, they can put him on the on the taxi squad easily and save, accrue some cap space. But not playing again tonight for Kyle Rao, which again is a, is a bit of a mystery, but he was having a good year and looks like he's going to be a heck of an NHL player. Another Brian Hunter signing. Yeah. And he's a guy that won't change his mentality, his personality, what he gives you, no matter how much you sit him out. Yeah. And that might be another part of it too. Is like you sit him out tonight. You know that if he plays Friday in St. Louis, you're going to get Nico Sturm. Uh, in fact, I did a Q and a with him virtual last night for some of our Iowa wild season ticket holders. It was Nico and coach Brett McLean. And the reason I chose Nico is because he's such a good personality, he's so well-spoken. You know, you think about the fact he's born in Germany, he comes over to the States to play junior hockey. His English is phenomenal. Amazing. Um, it's amazing. He, I told him last year, earlier in the year, Mike, this was probably our first road trip. So this is October in Winnipeg, you know, and this kid's three weeks into his pro career. And I said to him, I go, I've, I've never seen a more polished rookie. Yeah. Like, he's at the rink last, he's there first. And those aren't token cliches. That's not because he's trying to impress somebody. That's because he has his stretching routine, his nutritional routine, his workout routine. Um, our strength coach, John Odgers in Iowa, absolutely loved the kid. He puts in the work. And he got better skating-wise, it appeared to me, from last year to this year. Um, he's been hard to take out of the lineup this year for Minnesota. He's going to compete. He's going to give you good penalty-killing minutes. 
And I'm sure that over the next couple of years, he's going to continue to develop because of his work ethic, um, because of his makeup. He doesn't take anything for granted. And on, uh, again, another guy really happy for another Iowa Wild graduate. Yeah. By the way, did you see that there? Yeah, it was Brandon a yard sale in the corner. Got, was that Randon or Landeskog? Landeskog just got crushed in the corner, but he's uh, thankfully okay. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. If you're not a subscriber to The Athletic, now is the time to get in. Theathletic.com slash straight from the source will get you in for $3.99 a month. You can read all these really cool stories I have in the works. If you notice lately, I've been in sort of a... Um, a trend which I don't know if a lot of readers love where it's just game stories and then you're probably not hearing from me in a, in a day or two and that's sort of because of the games go game 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 and there's not a lot of time to sort of squeeze in the off days but it's because I'm working ahead on some really cool ones but we also have podcasts um, throughout the entire platform on The Athletic and this week uh, Jim Rutherford the, the former GM of the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins and the Carolina Hurricanes uh, joined Scott Burnside and Pierre Lebron on this week's two-man advantage of the athletic uh, show. I think it's on right now, actually. It's already up, and I talked to Jim Rutherford the other day. He's one of the greats, Joe. I talked to him for uh, my Ian Cole feature. Uh, he was his typical Jim Rutherford self in there. Also, Elliot Friedman joins Jonas Siegel and James Merle this week on the Leaf Report with all the trade deadline talk at the athletic. So if you want to know what's going on with the wild, uh, I'm sure Elliot got into uh, them with Jonas Siegel and James Myrtle. Um, not much is going on with the wild. Uh, let's talk Joe about uh, some of the guys down in Iowa. And then I do have some really cool Twitter questions for you as well. Um, Connor Durer is somebody that uh, he's got a little taste of just being able to travel last week, uh, being on the taxi squad. I think that's part of the development process is to get him second leading scorer on the Iowa wild uh, behind the uh, veteran Gabriel Dumont. Um, energy guy. He really, in the short truncated uh, training camp that the Wild had three months ago, uh, to me caught my eye. What type of player is he? His nickname in Ever to the Western Hockey League was Pitbull, <laughs> according to their broadcaster, Mike Benton, who I have known a long time. Um, and he had 74 goals his last two years in the WHL. So let's not kind of pigeonhole him as a guy that's just going to be energy. I think this kid can score as he continues to develop. He's already surpassed last year's goal total. Six goals in 52 games last season as a rookie. Eight goals in 18 games this year, second-year guy. He's getting power play ice time, which he started to see a little bit towards the end of last year uh, in Iowa. But he's getting power play time. He's an unreal penalty killer. He can fly, and his compete level is through the roof. Um, I think he is a guy that, you know, is a former third-round pick Minnesota Wild fans should really keep on their radar. Uh, another guy who a bit more quiet, but the boys love him. Um, I think he's got sort of that sense of humor that uh, is perfect for the locker room. Um, it's interesting in Iowa, you know, we have Dumont, Dewar, and Duhame. So you got three guys that could be called Dewey, really. I know, it you know, me crazy with the Tim Army interview. Yeah. So, calls everybody Dewey. Yeah, so... Um, you got to be on your toes when you're, when you're around there, but, uh, Connor Dewar, great kid, uh, really hard worker. And I think the future's, you know, the ceiling's really high for him. Let's talk about the Floridian that is Dewey, yeah. uh, Brandon Duham. um, went to Providence college, another real high energy guy. Uh, looks like he's got an NHL build. Oh yeah. Um, you know, I have a soft spot for him because he, I grew up in Boca Raton. He grew up in Parkland, Florida, which is uh, if he didn't go uh, play uh, prep school up, up north, uh, he would have he would have uh, went to Douglas High School, uh, which where I think a lot of people are familiar with. Uh, they had this, the, the shooting there a couple of years ago. Um, but he is just such a good guy. When I interviewed him, I interviewed him the same day I interviewed Philip Johansson, the first round pick when he was in Iowa two years ago. Remember the Wild brought yeah. him in just for a week to skate with him and all that stuff? Yeah, and, and then you tweeted that you thought he might go back to... Uh to his native country quickly after the bag skate he got at yeah. lovely Metro Ice in Urbandale. Yeah, I, I yeah. don't think they loved that. <laughs> uh, 
Twitter gets me in more trouble than anything I do. Uh, by the way. A lot of people. Um, I am rooting, by the way. I know we're going to get to Brandon, but I am rooting for Philip Johansson. First of all, he's having a really good year there. But that kid, what a nice kid. Like, I don't know if you got to spend much time with him that week. But, like, he and he is so in tune with what's going on here in Minnesota that you just root for a guy like that. Like, it wasn't – like, nobody would – look at him as a, as a bad pick if they took him where they should have in the second or third round. And they, nobody would be talking like, oh, he's not here right. yet. So I, I hope I hope that they, they sign him and get him here and give him a chance. But that's just me. Yeah, listen, I, I hear you. Sometimes guys, and, you know, I mentioned it the other night with, with Jewel Erickson Eck, you know, he's always compared to Brock Besser now, fair yeah. or unfair. And that's just the way the world we live in is, right? It's, in the NFL, it's the same thing. When you pass up a guy that turns out to be a star and you took somebody else and they either take a while to develop or they don't really pan out, the media, the fans, they crush you for it. Um, and so for Johansson, we'll see. Uh, he's taken a little longer to develop. He played that, I know, last year in what, that Tier 2 league again. And I think some folks wanted him to really be in the elite leagues. Uh, but he's the kind of guy that, you know, smooth skating defenseman, if he pans out, even if it's three years from now, you're going, okay, like he's helping the organization. Uh, as for Brandon Duhame, another great kid. I mean, we have s- such a good room in Iowa. Uh, another hardworking kid that had a great training camp. You know, everything I heard is that Connor Dewar and Brandon Duhame really pushed and made an impact and opened some eyes here in what was a different year. No NHL exhibition game. So they couldn't really make a true impact in a game environment. They had a, you know, a week or so of skating with the, with the team here to try and, uh, to, to make their mark. And they both did, um, Duhame's a guy that, again, can kill penalties for. He's big physical. Last year he had a uh, half dozen or so fights. Um, so that part of his game will always be there. Uh, and I think he's the type of kid that as he gets more experience and gets an NHL opportunity at some point, can continue to uh, to make his mark in the organization. You need big, strong guys that can skate. He's one of them. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Mason Shaw, injury issues his entire career. Now it looks like he's healthy. Yeah, and he's... As good of a kid as you'll find. Um, he's one of the leaders of that Iowa group, despite being a bit younger, right? And on a team with guys like Cody McLeod and Gabriel Dumont, uh, Mason Shaw has a letter, and he deserves it. Um, he has a voice in the locker room, extremely well-liked by the guys down there and the staff, always has a smile on his face. Uh, another kid that's going to work his, his butt off. When you go through three ACL injuries and you continue to battle and, and try and achieve your dream, there's nobody that's going to tell you that you haven't worked at it and that you haven't wanted it. He's, he's just a good kid and really well-liked. And I think, you know, he has some offensive ability for sure. He hasn't been healthy enough really over the stints in Iowa to that, you know, I think he's had one full season. So maybe the numbers aren't there, but good penalty killer. Good guy in the room, um, and I really think another guy that I'd be shocked if he doesn't make an impact in Minnesota in the next couple of years. I mean, the future is really bright for the Wild organization. I don't know if fans realize that because they're not always in tune with the American Hockey League, but even beyond the American Hockey League, when you look at Rossi and Boldy and some of these other draft picks, we see Ryan O'Rourke now, who has grown by leaps and bounds in Iowa at 18 years of age. Um, Adam Beckman, who we saw, Damon Hunt. Listen, the drafting that's been done by this organization in the last three, four, five years, it's really, really well done. And they have folks coming, the goaltenders with Hunter Jones, now starting to find his stride. Philip Lindbergh's uh, unfortunately not going to be able to play in the Frozen Four due to COVID protocols. But when you look at that Minnesota Wild prospect report that the PR department puts out now weekly, if you go back like three years and look yeah. at it, there weren't a lot of guys that you were like excited about. Now, when you see it, there's point-of-game guys everywhere they're playing. They're high-end draft picks, and they're looking like they're going to make an impact in this organization for a long time. Right, and it looks like the Wild will sign guys like Nick Swainy, maybe Henschkis as well. Uh, Hovenoff, uh, you know, played in Russia this year, and uh, the Wild were going to bring him back, but the whole uh, just decided, I think at this point, it's not worth it. Lodney is hurt, but there are a lot of guys coming, as, um, as you mentioned um, um, let me ask you about Hunter. Uh, Hunter coming off AHL goalie of the week, a real tough start to his AHL pro career. I, it's funny. I was doing this story about him, about his social media, because he's such a uh, you know he's so, so in tune with social media, TikTok. He uh, has his a music channel on YouTube, all this stuff. So I was doing this big feature in January. Then he got off to such a rough start to his career that I decided to almost you know 
not put him in a position where all of a sudden I do this feature, then people are like, well, maybe you should be paying attention more on the hike. <laughs> you know, the way fans are. So I'm like, uh, you know what? So I haven't written the story. I'll probably have to, at this point, wait till next year. But it was nice after the tough start that he had to just see that he had a good week. It probably was just huge for his psyche as well, Joe. Yeah, in the three games down in Cedar Park, Texas, he gave up three total goals, helped him earn AHL Player of the Week honors. Again, I wasn't there to see it firsthand, but you look at 35 saves, 37 saves, 21 out of 23 in the last game he played. So much needed for a kid that started 0-5-1, gave up nine goals one game, gave up seven in his debut, gave up six another night, uh, gave up a goal from the red line in Rockford on a Cody Franson slap shot. Um you know, I give credit to the coaching staff, Richard Bachman, the goaltending development coach in Iowa, stayed with it. You know, it's this kid's so young, um, 20, 21 years of age. It's his first taste of pro hockey. Things probably came easy in the Ontario Hockey League at times. In the AHL, if you're slow or you're not prepared or you're not ready, you're going to get beat. Um, and so for Hunter Jones, I'm sure it was a mental grind for a few weeks. But hopefully he can springboard off that good week in Texas, these Player of the Week honors, and, and continue to develop. I mean, he's the highest drafted goalie since Josh Harding in the organization. That's going back a long time. Yep. Um, we could uh, go to some Twitter questions here, but you did bring up Boldy. Uh, he's going to make his professional debut Friday night. Yep, Friday night. Um, Chicago Wolves are in town. Yeah, how much is Tim uh, excited about that? Um, I haven't talked to Coach too much about it, but I know that he did practice with the group yesterday, I believe, for the first time. Yeah, Tuesday. Um, so it'll be on the ice again today and tomorrow uh, and then Friday night. So Iowa Wild fans will get to see the highest first-round draft pick in Iowa since Matt Dumba. And, uh, you know, over the years, there's been Jewel Erickson Act. There's been Jordan Greenway, Luke Cunning, Dumba. Um, this is a kid that, um, you know, there's a lot of expectations for. He really developed in, at Boston College and his experience in the World Juniors. I'm kind of wishing I was there in some ways because yeah. I'd like to have seen the first game, but uh, I'll take the NHL opportunity. It's been it's been fun. Well, it's funny you said that because I'm going to St. Louis tomorrow for the Friday-Saturday games, and I, part of me is like, maybe I should not go on this trip and just go to Iowa to cover Boldy and just see what it's all about. But, AHL you know, TV, if anybody's listening, they want to we'll watch. Um, the Blues press box uh, yeah. a little bit. Um, let me ask you, um, you, you did mention um, – uh, Beckman, uh, you know, best sellies I think I've seen in the AHL. Um, do you do think that he's got a shot to be a, a pro? I think with that skill set, um, the hands, the release, the long stride, yeah, uh, it, it's going to take time. I don't expect him to be in Minnesota next year or mm -hmm. maybe the year after, but when he comes to the American Hockey League next year and gets a full, what we hope is, you know, 76 game schedule and he gets into into the grind of you know sometimes three games in three days and the travel and all that um i think he'll be the type of kid that if he bears down and stays with it that offensive upside is there right uh wild farm report says is there any chance we'll see iowa play eastern conference teams in the next few seasons well had we not had this whole shutdown and and chaos it's been covid there Last year, or excuse me, this year, what is now the shortened COVID shortened season, we were expected to play a game in Hershey, two in Charlotte, um, and I believe Cleveland as well was on the schedule. So, uh, yes, it's the short answer is that if we can find teams to tango with, I mean, that's the key. You got to find East Coast teams willing to come out and do a central time zone swing. Uh, but the plan was for Iowa to play games as far east as, you know, Hershey and Charlotte, but all that obviously got thrown out. And what is the latest on the playoffs? Officially, nothing. Yeah. Unofficially, uh, I probably can't say. Yeah. Well, I, I could tell but you But you've that reported what you <laughs> yeah. heard. and Yeah. So, uh, and when I reported that, by the way, the AHL was not happy. I don't know if Tim... Tim Understandable. Did, did Tim get uh, in trouble for that? Because it was on the record. I honestly don't know. And in fairness to Coach, whatever he told you, he probably wasn't told was not for yeah, public I mean, another, consumption. Uh, the, at the same time, the uh, Hershey coach said the same thing. I can so. tell you that, you know, because this has been reported, each division is sort of on their own uh, to get on the phone and hash it out. And okay. whatever each division comes up with is probably what each division will go with. Yeah. By the way, what is your relationship with Dean Evison? Because it's very clear that you guys uh, know each other from the past. He has a lot of respect from you. We could tell on the Zooms. Is it just from you interviewing him when he was with Milwaukee? 
Yeah, I would talk to him every day for six years okay. um, or every time we played. And I don't know, you know, I, I hope I'm not overstepping my bounds here in the NHL. I'm starting to get a little bit more comfortable no. after a- asking these questions. But Dean was always one of those guys that I, I respected a lot because he never made me feel like it was a burden on him. Mm-hmm. He knew I was doing my job as a visiting radio guy in the minors. He always came out and gave me time. There'd be morning skates. He'd come out drenched after riding the bike for an hour, <laughs> and he'd give me time. He he'd pop out. He'd have his you know his hey, I'm watching my daughter's basketball game. Uh, it's at, it's at halftime. We got to be quick. Like just awesome. I, I really respected him. Straightforward, uh, no nonsense. But I could tell that the players would respect him, and they loved him in Milwaukee. I was really happy to see him get an opportunity here. Um, really, really good coach and. Everything Brett McLean's told me about him, the same thing, that um, this staff collaborates on everything. They're involved. Uh, and that starts at the top with Dean making everybody feel like they have a piece of the puzzle. And I'm really happy for the success this team's had because of it. I'll tell you this one story real quick, Mike. There's a time in Iowa. We were playing Milwaukee. It was their third game in three days. I don't know if it was the same for us or not, but it was their three and three, so it's a Sunday. And we're chatting in the hallway, and I said to him, well, coach, you know, it's three and three. It's hard on the guy. And he goes, there's basically, he said, I'll, I'll paraphrase, there's no excuses. We're asking these guys to come out and work for 20 minutes. And I'd never thought about it like that yeah, before, yeah. right? It's a 60-minute game. Say it all the time. But if you're, if you're getting a lot of ice time, it's 20 minutes. Some guys, it's less. So yeah. he's like, if, you, if we can't get these guys to come out and work for 20 minutes, you know, essentially then yeah. what good are they? Like, I don't want them around. So. Yeah. I, that, that quote has stuck with me for, I don't know, it's got to be seven years now. Yeah, Terry Murray used to say the same type of stuff. He used to say, you know, when guys would complain about how hard, hard life is or that a busy schedule goes, we ask these guys to show up for an hour in the morning and three hours in the yeah, night. Yeah, yeah. Tough life. Um, you know, I don't think it's as simple as that sometimes uh, because I see the grind they put themselves in. Yeah. But, uh, but, but when you put it at to that terms, it absolutely yeah. uh, makes Puck sense. Puck drops. I need yep. you for 15 minutes tonight. Yep. A couple more minutes with Joe O'Donnell. Uh, um, and by the way, I don't think I reminded people, and if, if you missed my podcast with Joe, probably a couple of October or Novembers ago, um, uh, when we were in Anaheim, uh, listen to that, and you could hear more about Joe's story. But Joe, uh, you're from out east. You worked for the boy in Boise for a while. Then, uh, as I, as we mentioned, uh, been with this organization for 13 years. Somebody asked Adam asks, uh, "What is your dream job?" Back to Philly? Question mark. Being the wild guy. What do you think? For a long time, there was I don't want to say this pressure, but always this urge of mine that I had to get back to the East Coast. Right, a couple years in the broadcasting world, and was like, "Family's back there. Got to get back there." For me now, I, I'm just trying to get to the NHL full time. I want to achieve that dream. I would absolutely love for it to be in the Wild organization. They've been so good to me and my family, uh, from the time in Houston to relocating to Des Moines, where we absolutely love being. Um, one of our kids, our youngest boy, Christopher, was born in Iowa. The other two were born. Jake and James were born down in uh, in Houston. Um, but we've been there now seven years, eight seasons of hockey. We have a house in West Des Moines and Waukee. It's just a great place to raise a family, good schools. So we love it. And, um, and, and again, I, I credit the Wild organization for making it such a good environment. They've afforded me awesome opportunities. They've taken good care of us as a family. And so, yeah, at some point if I could – if I could call games full time for the Minnesota Wild, that would be um, that would be awesome. But uh, you know, if it if the opportunity never affords itself, uh, never comes about, then you know, just just to get to the NHL, it's been so much fun in these brief stints. Like I, the work I put in, it's well worth it um, to get these opportunities. Well, I think you're a great example of how um, you know kids these days almost they feel like they should you know graduate high school or college and be. Uh, you know, if you want to get into sports media, you should be covering the Minnesota Vikings immediately. You should be, uh, you know, calling games for the Minnesota Twins, Minnesota Wild, whatever. You got to pay your dues. It's yeah. about work ethic. And sometimes you've probably paid a little more dues than you probably wanted to, uh, you know, for, for a long time in minors. But I mean, you, you got to do it. And that's why you are so deserving. I think one of my first, I think it was my first year in Houston. I came up here for a game and Bill Robertson was running the PR ship and communications mm-hmm. up here. Billy Rob, as he's affectionately known. And he sat down with me and he laid out the expectations for the broadcaster in Houston. And one of the things was get out in the community and speak at rotary clubs or whatever. The other was sales. 
And basically, like, the third was the play-by-play. And he kind of gave me, like, a, hey, just so you know, there's a lot of guys in your boat that think that they're ready, and you're not ready. And he wasn't taking a shot at me. He's just like, you're going to have to put in the time. Um, You know, and I always thought if I spent 10 years in the American League or, you know, 10 years in the ECHL, 10 years in the American League, like, at the time I was 25 going to Boise, like, I could get to the NHL, like, maybe, maybe it's 20 years. You don't really think about how long that is when you're kind of just in your head, oh, 10 years here, 10 years there. Ended up being just a few in the ECHL, but now it's 13 in the American Hockey League, and I wouldn't trade for anything. The stories, the memories, uh, the experience. So for the young kids out there, the broadcasters, the sports media folks, I'd say network. It's so important. Um, and be willing to just get that hands-on experience. If it's an internship somewhere, if it's a, a promo team with your local uh, sports club, just get involved, uh, meet people, and you never know. You might think you want to be a writer, and it turns out you want to get into broadcasting. You might think you want to be a broadcaster, it turns out, you know, that maybe you don't want to do that. So I would say experience, hands-on experience, and and network, and uh, and just know that at some point, you know, your your time will come as long as you're willing to to put in the work. Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, a guy named Ryan wants to know what hair product do you use. I can't give away government secrets. You know who asked that, right? I don't, but Stanzel. I can imagine. Oh, then I can tell him. Tell yeah. him that Stans will text me. Um, last question, because I can't believe we forgot. Uh, I forgot of all the players, but Callan Addison, how's he doing in developing? Finn Realist asked this question. Um, really good. Uh, you know, just that, that natural instinct along the blue line, uh, the power play. I think at the time I left to come up here, he had three multi-point games already. Another kid that obviously Bill Guerin knew what he was getting. The first round pick was valuable, but the Addison acquisition, that Zucker deal. And what a great trade that's looking like. Not a knock on Jason Zucker, but again, to have another first round pick in your arsenal going into this draft and have Kalen Addison as a potential Jared Spurgeon type player down the line. Uh, Another guy I failed to mention when I was talking about just how how bright the future is for Minnesota. Yeah, you were calling his games when he was a little... uh a little Jared Spurgeon. Now he's the <laughs> captain of the team. He's still a little Jared Spurgeon, but now he's just uh, yeah. I'm what, telling you, I, I will never forget older. meeting him and and thinking he was somebody's little brother at that first Houston Arrows event at Pete and Shorty's uh, bar where they had the season ticket holders come out, and I had to read through the roster. You're like, let's welcome, uh, you know, number forty six, Jared Spurgeon, and he stood up to wave, and I was like. I, I didn't think he was part of the team because it was like during camp I hadn't met everybody. I'm, or I'm still like that. I remember when the Wild re-signed him for like $2.75 million a year, and I was shocked. And I told Chuck Fletcher I was shocked. And he's like, you didn't like the contract? I'm like, what are you guys doing? Yeah, turned and out to be a steal. captain here. <laughs> now it's, a, you know, you just look back, and uh, and he's such a good guy. Yeah. Like even the other day, the team's in Vegas, and I get just a text from him like, where the heck are you? You think of all trips you would do this yeah. one. And I'm like, yeah, I know. And I love that Dean Evison talked about the other day that you know it's in a lot of ways his locker room yeah. and he's maybe not the alpha male and he's not the oldest player and maybe doesn't have the resume like like a few of his teammates and he, but he's earned it yeah. and to turn the room over to the guys at times like Dean's talked about and I asked him who you know where does that kind of come from he said it's Spurge and uh, that's a heck of a credit to a kid that you know was drafted and basically let loose by the Islanders had to come to development camp in Traverse City to to open some eyes in Minnesota and thank goodness they signed him yeah, one of my biggest uh, things I try to follow doing my job it, it, when, when you're around the team and players and the GM and the coach, because I obviously have a very different relationship, is that uh, I, it's a motto that I've always lived by is that I'd rather be respected than liked. You know, this job, you, you, um, you, it's hard to be liked all the time, but if they respect you, you're going to be able to do your job. Jared's that guy where he's both. They're special people where, you know, you go in that locker room and they love them and they respect them. And it's instant when anybody meets him because he treats everybody like absolute gold. And that's why he was the first player on the team to be in touch with Kaprizov all the time. Yeah. And, and, you know, he's just a, that welcoming guy. By the way, you are respected and liked, uh, Joe, uh, by everybody down in Iowa. Allegedly. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I really do appreciate you doing this podcast. Um, yeah, thanks you know, for having it's me. It's fun to see you back up here again. You know, I think down the road we'll see a lot more 
um, you know, uh, potentially as well. And uh, you just continue to do such a great job. So I think what Minnesota Wild people that feel like they know you because you've been around this organization for so long and watch those games on AHL TV and mm-hmm. listen to those games on the radio down in Des Moines. So thanks as always, Joe, for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me, Mike. I appreciate all the support from yourself and the organization and uh, the fans in Iowa have been great. Um, there's still some Houston Arrow supporters that follow along <laughs> and have uh, follow my Twitter feed. And, um, you know, I appreciate any any of the feedback from the Minnesota Wild fans as well. I know when Bob's not around that uh, it's a different voice. It's maybe a different style, certainly a different uh, rapport with Tom Reed. But uh, just trying to do my best and, and kind of let my personality show through and, and hopefully uh, – Everybody's enjoyed the game so far. Yeah, Twitter's a dangerous place for feedback. Uh, yeah, I got I, I got a, trolled I, the other night for the first time. I saw that guy. Uh, yeah. It bothered me actually. Um, <laughs> I actually got rid of him. Uh, I even remember his Twitter account name, Free Hockey or something. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, I'll, so, I'll sc- I've screenshotted that one. I'll hang on to yeah, it. It, no, it made, me, ch- it like made me chuckle. There are people that will always email me like, can you please unblock me? I'm like, no, because I know exactly what you said, even though it was three years ago. So uh, um, I have a thin skin, though, that way, like, uh, you know, which is always funny because, you know, my job's to critique and yet somebody comes after me. It's like gone. But you know what? Like, I always I always joke that the first day that I retire, I'm disconnecting Twitter and I'm not even joking, probably. Uh, but it it, beco- it sometimes becomes just so overwhelming, especially these days where every day leads into the next day that if you're constantly on Twitter, you can never fully disconnect from the job. So it just becomes, uh, you know, fatiguing at times. So, uh, well, luckily there's so many nice people in Iowa that I, I tend to not get very, I, I tend to not get very much well, negative yeah. feedback. Um, you don't have to be like, I, I just have a tendency to tick yeah. off like people all the time, yeah. especially avalanche fans, but it has been less and less because I, you know, I, I think I feel like I've, I've blocked them all. So <laughs> that's one way to do it. <laughs> so I just now, like, honestly, if they're like, I used to just let them all stay and like, you know, why give them the, uh, why give them the satisfaction? The, yeah, the satisfaction. Yeah. I got to Russo. Yeah. But now like to me, it's like the second they come out, I just get rid of them because then I don't have to see them. Yeah. Anymore, so. Well, I listen, I would, I will welcome the feedback. If I have a bad broadcast, I know it. I'll be the first one to know it. So yeah. it's like a player. If he has a bad night, he probably doesn't need to be told by the coach or call his mom and dad to figure it out or go on social media. They know when they've had a rough go. And yeah. It's no different for anybody in their day job. Yep, no doubt. Um, well, Arrow Joe is now Wild Joe Radio on uh, on Twitter. Uh, uh, make sure you follow him. You will absolutely know everything that's going on with the Iowa Wild uh, all the time. And if you are listening to this podcast, uh, check out our comment section for each podcast episode at the Athletic app and rate and subscribe to Straight From The Source on Apple. If you aren't already a subscriber, Go to theathletic.com slash straight from the source and receive receive a subscription for just $3.99 per month. See, this is why I write and don't do broadcasting, Joe. Can't even, like a little liner. Like how many stutters were in there? What, do you think four or five? Um, I'm, I wasn't counting. Yeah, it was bad. Yeah. It was bad. Well, thanks, Joe, for <laughs> coming good. on.